You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's up, Live Different Podcast listeners? I am here to tell you a little bit about something new we have launched via Under 30 Experiences, our new line of custom experiences open to any age, bringing together communities around the world. Literally, if you are a blogger, a fitness coach, a yoga teacher, or someone who has a community that you want to bring together to go on an amazing trip somewhere across the world, you should bring them down to Costa Rica. You should bring them down to Tulum, Mexico. We will organize your trip to Bali. We will go out there with Iceland with you and up to 20 of your closest friends, followers, community members, open to all ages, custom-experiences.com. That's what's new with me and the whole Under 30 Experiences crew. If you haven't seen it, check that out, as well as our new trip to Thailand. You guys are going to love 10 days from Bangkok up to Chiang Mai in the Highlands and down to the glorious islands of Thailand and Southeast Asia. Check us out, under30experiences.com. And now, back to your regular scheduled programming. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I am your host, Matt Wilson, and today I am here with Dave Nelson, founder and coach at Milestone Mind. This conversation has been a long time coming. Dave, uh, welcome. What's going on? Hey, hey Matt. Uh, things are going great. I hope, uh, hope things are going well for you down in Costa Rica. I'm slightly jealous, but, uh, but uh, things are going great. Thanks for having me on. Good, good. No, uh, of course we'll have to get you get you down here sometime. I want to, uh, yeah, I want to just just take this forty five minutes or an hour and and really just get to know you and uh, share help share your story and also have the listener, of course, come away with some actionable stuff that they can implement in their life uh, beyond just the inspiration. Because I'm sure after they they hear. Uh, the things that you have to say, they're going to be pumped, of course, but then what what can they do after this to be able to uh, put some of these things, yeah, into implementation mode in their life? So, yeah, let, sure. let's get into it. Dave, I, I'd just love to, uh, you have an inspiring story, so I'd love maybe if you could walk us through in, in just a couple short minutes of, of who really you are and uh, where you're going. Yeah, no, absolutely, Matt. Um, so again, thanks for thanks for having me on. So my story uh, in just a couple minutes, and and really why Milestone Mind, um, and why I think hopefully what we're doing is ultimately going to help people on their paths, is I'm really interested in creating systems that allow people to do something with inspiration. And so, <clears throat> you know, I was told throughout my life, like, hey, man what you've been through, what you've seen could really help people. And I would also often reflect on that. I'm like, yeah, but it's just a story. So although someone might get inspiration from someone's story, what do they do once they get that inspiration? Can they walk away and apply that to a deliberate approach? And so that's kind of where I'm at right now in terms of helping people create deliberate approaches. So that's the outcome. <clears throat> so what, what kind of led me to this this place. You know, 
Matt, you and I were obviously talking and it sounded like you moved around a little bit when you were a kid and ultimately settled in. It's, um, you know, where you were brought up and then eventually headed back to New England for college. My family was originally from the Chicagoland area and, you know, we, we were in a regular sort of town and home, hometown America and, uh, right around middle school age, uh, my dad had a really cool opportunity to move out East and took a job with a large retail store. And we moved into a town for all intents and purposes from the outside looking in would be like, man, like that's the town people want to move to good schools, nice neighborhoods. But I actually, that was the first experience in my life where I felt like an outsider and not with my peers, but actually with sort of teachers and with, um, and with, uh, parents. And it was almost like, who are these new hillbillies in town? You know, it was like one of those towns you're just like, man, like it's so above, you know, I don't know if the listeners have been to New England, but it was just so above how general society kind of went about their day-to-day life. It was just a different world. And we were never from that world. So that kind of thrust us into like this isolation in in a bit that my family actually to this day sort of is still dealing with in in a lot of ways. Um, But if you kind of fast forward from that point in time, um, you know, at a very young age, I knew what it meant to not at the extreme level that a lot of people experience today, whether it be around race, sexuality, or gender, but I got a taste of what discrimination means and it sucks. And I was always told, you know, when I would be coming in the wake of whoever sibling was in front of me, uh, you know, and how maybe they didn't act correctly. I was always told that I was basically a nothing and that, you know, I was treated that way. And I just remember it was in junior high. <clears throat> football was my sport. And growing up in Chicago, Walter Payton was my man. I don't know if you're familiar with Walter Payton or not, but the guy was just an avid professional as it pertained to his craft. And he was always going after being the best he could be for himself, rather for his teammates. And that meant just devoting himself to this process. And I was always fascinated by that. And I just thought, hey, man, if I can just devote myself to a process, maybe I can kind of get out of this place and prove everybody wrong in a lot of ways. And there was this high school in the Boston area, always ranked in the top 25 in the country and always um, uh, well ranked in the state. And I was like, I want to go play for those guys. Like, that's my that's my path out of here. And I just remember before I would go, before I actually was making that decision, people told me I was crazy. They're like, dude, you'll never play there. You're a small fish in a big pond. And this is coming from parents, teachers, and coaches. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what the hell is going on here? And I, I came from a big family. There's a lot of chaos going on in the family. So I was kind of left to myself to determine the efficacy of what I was being told. Like, is what they're saying true or is it not true? And I think deep down, even at that young age, I believe so wholeheartedly in sort of this process-minded approach that I was inspired uh, by Walter Payton, for instance, um, that I was going to do it anyways, and I was going to embrace whatever came my way. And I did, and I got into that high school and had good success, and then eventually went on to play in college. The whole point of that story is that first lesson in life for me came at a young age, and that was if you feel like something's really true and honest to you, and you're willing to commit yourself to it, usually no one's going to be a big fan of that. 
And even now with my business, and I'm sure you experienced it maybe when you first started your business is you're kind of a party of one to begin with, right? It's always kind of like if you're looking for people to tell you you're making the right move or say, yes, that's the right thing to do before you make that move, you know, you're going to be left making no good moves in your life. So for me, that was a really cool lesson early in my life that if I believe enough in it, I'm going to go pursue this thing. And so that was sort of like the first um, foray into mindset for me, to be honest. And from there, you know, I got into college and then late into my college career, I was faced with other obstacles. I had family members, you know, not in great places. And that's tough to watch. And, uh, and what I mean by not great places, I'm talking jail and I'm talking substance abuse and alcoholism and really not great places to watch. And you're basically put in a position to decide, are you that or are you going to be a guy that defines who he's going to be? And it's not despite my, my family, but it was more, who do I want to be? And what kind of man does that look like and act like? And so again, that was never someone telling me, Dave, you got to go do that. It was basically like, dude, either you own this or you're going to be that way. And I just knew I didn't want to be that way. And so I, at that point in time, had to thrust myself forward apprehensively and, you know, very, um, in a very sort of scared sort of a way, but that was my only path forward. And then again, obstacle three, late in college, I had a near death experience. I, uh, uh, stepped in between a stranger and a friend and, uh, uh, got stabbed in the heart actually. And I was dead for close to seven minutes, um, dead on arrival. They resuscitated me, brought me back to life. And, uh, and within four days I had walked out of the hospital and you know, what's kind of funny, Matt is I often get asked about that experience and people are like, man, that that's just so daunting. That's just so crazy. And, and to be honest, because it was me and it was my life, uh, and I woke up and my eyes opened, I immediately had purpose. And my purpose was actually football at the time. I was going into my senior year in college. And my teammates, I had this thing bigger than myself that I was going to go after. And it, I, I can, I've reflected on this for a long time. That was the thing that got me out of the hospital, was having that thing that was bigger than me to go after. Um, but I get often asked about like, man, that was a, that must've been a really tough experience. And I was like, it, it's a terrible experience in the sense that people around me were hurt, scared. Um, you know, it's n- never something that you want others to have to experience. But as it went for me, I was able to get up, walk, and I was basically healthy. Like I didn't feel any different. Um, and for me, I knew where I was going. So in that sense, mentally and emotionally, it actually wasn't as challenging as some of the former things I just talked about. It was like, okay, I know what I want to go after. I'm physically able to go do those things. I'm going. And it was kind of a quick decision in that sense. Obstacle four, not to give you all my obstacles, sorry about that, but uh, my brother Chris, um, four years after that, came down with terminal cancer Three months after that, he had passed. Chris was one of my best friends, and we had gone through a lot together. And um, I talk a little bit about this with the formation of Milestone Mind, but, um, you know, there's there's always a glimmer of purpose with whatever there is that you're going through. And I think that was tested 
with Chris, right? Because you look at that and you're like, this guy's my best friend. Like, when are the punches going to stop? You know, you start to almost fall into that sort of like, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> it's a lot, you know, like kind of every couple of years, like something's coming around and punching me in the gut. And Chris and I would talk, you know, deeply about life and about subjects and, uh, and the subject of purpose, purpose and meaning always came up and the subject of sort of a fighter's mentality would always come up. And, uh, you know, we were able to find purpose in, in the latter stages of what he was going through, through creating purpose and meaning. And so he would talk about if I were to still live, I would want to go do these things. And I'm like, that's part of my mission moving forward. So it gave me purpose through that. And then the last obstacle, and it's not quite as dramatic, thankfully, was just my own career, my own professional approach to life. Like, what was I going to do with my life? I'd been through all these things and I was kind of just doing what the world was telling me to do up until a couple of years ago. And basically just following that beaten path of do this, you make a lot of money, you go buy the big house, you know, yada, 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 the list goes on. And that wasn't speaking to me, especially given a lot of the things that I had witnessed and gone through, but I just didn't know where to take it. I didn't know what to do about it. And I think I mentioned to you, I was listening to your earlier podcast with Howard Behar and defining the value system was something so critically important to me. But I found in doing that to help me kind of thrust myself into a new direction, I didn't like the answers. And a lot of times you have these things that we embody day to day and we just keep going with sort of the same old, same old. And you hit this sort of juncture in life. You're like, okay, I'm going to challenge my notions on a lot of stuff, my values, my approach to life, what I care about. And with the values, I'm like, it looked, I'm like, it looked like a 15 year old had written those values. I'm like, holy crap, man, I haven't changed my values since I was 15. I'm still saying these are my values, but they're not speaking to me anymore. Like there's something wrong with that. And so for me, it was like this deep sort of philosophical approach to like what's next and don't just be okay with the first answer, you know, challenge that answer and then maybe challenge that answer and then get, start getting comfortable with what those answers are. And so, uh, anyways, um, that's more than probably two minutes, but hopefully that gives you a sort of a background on mindset and there's a lot more there around sort of why and sort of the struggles and sort of the different moments in my life where I was faced with having to make that decision of, do I forge ahead or do I have sort of a victimization party and sit back and, and just kind of settle. And, uh, you know, fortunately, um, you know, we're in that process of forging ahead. So, well, Dave, that is a heck of a story. And there are a lot of different ways I think that I could take our conversation but I wanted to back up a little bit to something that you talked about. I think it was might have even been challenge one, uh, <laughs> obstacle one, about fitting in. And I don't know if yeah. you just moved <laughs> to a little Puritan New England town where <laughs> I, I'm not really sure what you did. I'd love to know the name of the town if you want to. If you want to shout them out on the. On the podcast, actually, that would help. I, pr I probably know the town, so I would love to hear that and, and further understand it. I'll leave that up to you. But I'm curious yeah. about 
fitting in and yeah. if we can try to deconstruct that for people because it, it it appears there in that first obstacle but then it appears in your last obstacle about going through the quote-unquote rat race and what you're supposed to do and the conventional right. path and so if we could help people deconstruct that i think that our conversation here would have a lot of purpose uh could you take us could you take a stab at, at just telling me why you think people buy into this uh concept that you need to fit in well yeah that's a awesome question matt i think you know it's weird because you know, when we were kids, we fit in because it was sort of the culture and the community we were used to. So it was kind of we were conditioned to feel that way. And so in a lot of ways, that meant sports, it meant family, it meant pretty basic things that make us people, like biologically speaking, like just friendships and love and, and caring for one another. Um, but then to then be thrust into a very Puritan like esque town, um, I'll text you the name of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Puritan esque town. You know, with no more than maybe I think at the time, like 4,000 people, each house was a good uh, couple acres apart. It was just so radically different from what we were used to. And the value system was different. And I think that's kind of interesting about, <clears throat> you know, the world we live in, especially in America, is that you can kind of create your own microcosms in so many different ways. And, um, you know, we came from this microcosm of where certain values and standards had been established and they felt good and true to us. It was like love and family and sports. Like, okay, cool. That feels good to be then thrust into a world where it was like money, uh, status, the car you drove, the education that you had. Um, you know, the list kind of goes on where none of that mattered to us as kids, <laughs> you know? Sure. It's so it, it, I think just that dramatic shift has its own set of uh, consequences on on young kids. So then you have sort of that where it's like, okay, now I'm going to go step into grade X and um, I'm coming from a different place that I felt really good about that I, I believed in. And now I'm stepping into this thing that's like, that's not how things are done around here. And in so many ways, like I was not a great candidate for that because – you know, I was the youngest of four boys and we knew how to fight. Right. And it's like, if you're not going to believe in something, um, you shouldn't adopt it. And that was just something for me that rang true at a young age. I'm like, I don't believe in this system. Like, sorry. And, uh, like me or not. And I just felt like at that young age, the person that has to like you the most is the one that you're looking at in the mirror. And so if you can be happy with who that guy is or who that girl is, then whatever that attracts, um, hopefully that's good as well. And so, um, you know, I think the fitting in aspect goes a, a lot hand in hand with what we're talking about, especially with what we with what we did at at um, our company, which is we get so conditioned to be a certain way that we're willing to stand by these ideologies or these beliefs just to fit in. And you see people all day, every day, whether it be on Twitter or Facebook or you, you name it, have a stance about something. But if you were to sit down and have a coffee with these people and say, let me like, let me really understand what you care about. Let me really understand 
what is most important to you. It may be the complete opposite or completely unrelated to the thing that they might have been wasting a lot of energy on. And um, I think fitting in makes people mad, but it manifests itself through um, in a lot of ways by picking on others or by forcefully interjecting your opinion about a situation instead of just being okay with who you are and not being so worried with fitting into people that you don't even like and creating your own sort of, you know, microcosm, if you will, about the things that matter to you. So where that belief came from, um, I don't know, but I just, it always felt good to me. It felt right. And the whole fitting in aspect, um, just didn't feel right. And I, I think, I think often around, um, you know, being at, at college and we were football players at this private school in Pennsylvania and, you know, you're a football player on a campus where, you know, they're not happy about that. You know, it's like, Hey, these guys just got in because of football. <laughs> right. And, uh, right. they're, they're taking up valuable, uh, valuable seats in our classrooms. And, and so even then, you know, it's by no means the same level of discrimination people have to suffer and, and experience with, lots of the major issues today, but there's little discriminations taking place all the time, um, within life. And I've just, for me, it just never rang true. Like how come you're discriminating? I'm not discriminating you, but how come you're discriminating me in what I believe to be true? Maybe if you listened and we had a conversation, we would both walk away having learned something. And, uh, I think maybe early in my life, like that happened where like I listened and they listened. And you're like, wow, there's really magic in that. There's like really a power in that, that I didn't stand so firm on my ideologies or my dogmatic beliefs or my values, but that I was willing to like extract what mattered to me. I was willing to listen to them and like, holy crap, man. Like, I think we just got into like some flow state or something. Right. I mean, there's really power in that. Um, so yeah, I think the fitting in aspect, it's, you know, we're in a society where it's ever more required of you to fit in, um, unfortunately. But I think at the end of the day, um, there's, there's this saying out there that's things take a long time to happen, but a short time to take place. So meaning that we're seeing this sort of thing take place right now where it's like, get your college degree, you know, be a good little girl or boy, um, you know, go get your jobs, pay back your student loans, do what you need to do. But there's a growing sense of dissatisfaction in that, meaning like this is what life's about, really. Like this is why I'm breathing this oxygen and drinking this water to like do just that with all these problems facing our world and the solutions that we need to these problems. Like there's just more to it, you know, and I don't know if it's because I had witnessed my brother's death and had my own near death experience, but you know, I sometimes think, I don't know if that would have changed how I think right now. I'm, I'm sure maybe a little bit, but, you know, it definitely exacerbates that issue for me. And uh, I just hope that um, the, the sort of values that matter the most for society, things like courage and bravery and honesty, integrity, that those went out at the end of the day and, and whatever that means for you in your life. And, uh, and if it means that you're not in with this one group and it means you have to go start another group, then amen to that, you know, so... Um, but yeah, it's sad to see the, the discrimination that takes place. You know, we think that, you know, th those times are behind us and they're, they're simply not. But like I was telling a 
telling a buddy the other day and telling someone that's going through our system, you have two choices. Either you run away from the problem or you sprint at the problem. And by sprinting at the problem, you can help influence and make the world the way you want to make the world be instead of just complaining about it. And, you know, I have a couple uh, amazing sons now and I'm like, you know what, man? Not only am I sprinting at that problem, I'm getting on my hands and I'm crawling. I'm using everything I got to sprint towards whatever that problem is because, you know, there's a responsibility in that, a responsibility in what are you leaving behind? Are you just simply a taker or are you giving something back and, and giving something to the world that's going to make a difference? So long, long-winded answer, Matt, but hopefully that helps answer and give you sort of my thought process on fitting in. God, Dave, I have, I have so much to say and i and while you were talking about that i was uh trying to relive my own process of getting rid of my societal conditioning and the things that our parents and teachers and uh media and corporations shoved down our throat thinking that was in our you know parents guidance counselors etc thinking that that was what was important to us and and uh personally how i've been able to let go of that and i just meet so many people especially travelers with under 30 experiences and young people in general who are dissatisfied with the status quo and want to make a change but don't think that it's necessarily okay and mainly it's for fear of what other people will think Uh, but you know you talked about going looking yourself in the mirror and being satisfied with that person and that can be very difficult to do if the people around you are not supportive or think yes. you're crazy and right i've worked so hard on getting getting rid of that stuff and building a network of people who respect me and are uh, <clears throat> like-minded quote unquote yet different from me which is which is very important uh, but you said something there about how in today's day and age you feel that it's more almost more important than ever there's more emphasis placed on it than ever for people to fit in and i would like to give our listeners some hope here that i think it's less important i think there's so many examples like yourself out there doing their own thing, forging their own path, sharing this with other people, uh, inspiring people who are rebellious that you can follow on Instagram or blogs that you can read, books that you can read. I think today it's becoming more and more accepted. Um, Could you revisit that statement for me for a second? Yeah, of course. Um, So you make a great point. You know, when I think about fitting in, the resistance that you probably were met with when you stepped out to do what you're doing with your company and the resistance I met with, I was met with, um, to do what we're doing, um, is it's strong. It's very strong. And, and so in a lot of ways, um, there are those, those rebel souls who are willing to go do it. And we have social media now, which helps kind of bring a lot of that to light um, and uh, and allows to sort of highlight when someone's taken that chance to go. And I think the amazing thing about that is, is once you see someone do it, it does give others permission in a lot of ways to go do it. So I wholeheartedly agree with you on that sense that we're in this place where it's um, 
it's almost encouraged in a lot of ways, but amongst our peer group. But even when you do it with your peer group, it's almost kind of like you're actually doing it though. Like it's fun to talk about, but you're actually going to go do it. And that's the tough part right now. It's like, you know, are you willing to go in and understand who you are and who you want to be and what you want to do and how you want to go about it? And then once you get those answers, that's like 5% of it. Now you got to just take that leap. That's the freaking hard part, you know? And that's where I think um, that resistance is met. So I think when I when I talk about ever more so today, it's just harder today in a lot of ways. So in some ways it's easier because you can be highlighted in the sense like, yes, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get support on social media or by my friends or by my peer group, but you're going to get a lot of hate too. And you're going to get a lot of uh, p- people looking the other way, being like, I don't know who this guy is. And, you know, I was talking to um, – a buddy who's wants to launch a wellness, uh, publication. And I'm like, Oh dude, I'm so happy for you. And I'm excited for you. He's like, yeah, but every time I post something, I get like one like, (laughs) and I'm like, dude, you can't base what you're doing based on pure feedback from people. And, and in a lot of ways it's harder because we seek validation before we seek taking these actions. So I, I guess probably that's the best way to put it from, from what I mean. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's hard to do so, it. In that okay, sense. so I, I still think it's easier, but we'll let that <laughs> one we'll let that one go. Uh, and I also am very aware that I live in a bubble where it's okay for me to say uh, mindfully, quote unquote, "fuck these people," right? Right. Who don't believe in me? But also, I've been doing these things for so long and striking out on my own for so long. And well, right. shit, I have something called the Live Different Podcast. That's the theme of the show. Yeah, and, definitely. But every time I have a win, that momentum builds. So right. I realized that I live in a bubble. I, I told someone once. I said, "Yeah, I'm really not into scenes." Right, like uh, in New York or or whatever the scene is, it doesn't matter if it's the football scene. It doesn't matter if it's the uh, cool kids in New York scene or wh- whatever the scene is where you kind of feel like you have to fit in. But I said, I said I don't really like scenes unless it's my own, of course, because well, then <laughs> right. yeah, then this is my this is my scene. I uh, I started this, or I feel like I fit in. But how? So I realized I live in a bubble, but. How can people gain that confidence to say, quote unquote, sorry, but fuck these people and with as much kindness as they can uh, come up with to to be able to say that just uh, I'm just saying ignore those people. And how can people gain that confidence and gain the little wins so that they can start getting more than one like on, you know, that one like should be a win. And then the next thing that they go out and try to do, well, then more people are cheering for them. How do you, how do you build build that momentum? Yeah, Matt, that's an awesome point. And I think there's a silver lining that we definitely agree on around, (laughs) around, uh, uh, the former topic. Um, but think about some character traits that you might have that aren't necessarily instilled. I think they're making a comeback, but there was a period of time where, um, where things like grit or perseverance or uh, allowing people to get through challenging situations at, on their own devices has sort of gone away. 
And so there's that notion of like, yeah, if like, you know, fuck those people. I'm going to go do it me. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. But shit, man, who am I? And what do I want to do? I just know that I want to do it. And for, for us, it's like, okay, how do we then create that sort of framework that you can start to bang out what it means for who you are and what it means that for what you want to go after so that you gain the confidence the challenge with sort of, I think, that we've been faced with is that we all want freedom. We all want that sense of uh, self-appreciation. Um, but in a lot of ways, we're not taught how to get it. We just know that we want it. And so I think it's a matter of you have to do the work deliberately to really hash out that what that means in your own life. And then just trust it. Because if it came to you in like a natural, genuine way, then it then it means something to you. And now you have to kind of go trust that. And I think those little wins, you know, for some people, they're like, you know what, I'm a sales professional and I want to, you know, I want to get into coaching. And, you know, doing those wholesale changes is daunting. And so the biggest thing that you could do to help sort of reduce that resistance to get into that change, if that's what you wanted to go do, is just taking those little steps every day. Be like, awesome okay, what can we do just today to start taking a step in that direction? And then tomorrow, what's another step we can do to take in that direction? And then being flexible in the outcome. Because a lot of times we get a little bit caught up in, well, I want it to be this way, and I'm going to march with my head down, laser focus until it happens. And sometimes the outcome might shift, or it might be a little different. But I think if you just took that little step every day around, okay, I want to you know, go explore this subject matter, great. Just read 10 pages in a book around that subject matter to see if you even find it interesting. If you do, close the book, do 10 pages tomorrow, and then just see where that might start taking you. And allow that thing to almost unfold in front of you instead of creating this endpoint that sometimes seems way more daunting to achieve or to pursue. I think that is one way that you could potentially... Uh, you could potentially get yourself into a place where you're starting to march towards something and making that shift so it's not an abrupt shift. Okay, Dave. So look this person in the mirror for our listener at home. And what do you tell yourself? What actionable things can you do to uh, be able to be confident to start taking those steps, not only just to start, right? Everyone, uh, everyone, everyone can start something, right? Everyone can, uh, everyone can, can quit smoking. I have friends who've done it hundreds of times, right? Right. So, so how do you go about that uh, to be able to build momentum through the hard parts when you were facing, facing obstacle four and a half, Sure, you had a huge amount of confidence probably at that point, but how did you build that and how can other people build that? Matt, awesome question. I think one of the biggest things that we talk about around motivation is how do you frame the thing that you're going after? And so if we just use the smoking, for instance, you might hear someone say, I, I really need to quit smoking or I should quit smoking or you know, even I'd like to quit smoking. And so what people tend to do, and, and myself included, was I'm defining the thing I want to move away from. And there's absolutely value in that. But you're missing 50% of 
the total sort of response, which is great. I've defined what I don't want, but I now, I now need to define what I want. And so how come you want us to quit smoking? Well, because my wife told me to, okay, that's still not going to work. You're still moving away from your wife's, you know, dissatisfaction in you. All right. So how come, how come you want your wife's satisfaction? So she's not mad at me still. That's a negative motivator that you're moving away from her, not being mad at you. The conversations needs to shift into what do you really want for yourself, not for other people. And if you can define what you really want for yourself, it does change the game in, in the sense of it makes it seem like something you um, psychologically would ultimately want to pursue. So if I look in the mirror and I'm like, man, I want to give up smoking. And I go, well, how come? Because I want to be healthy. I want to be able to go hike you know, Tuckerman's Ravine in New Hampshire. I want to be able to go to Kilimanjaro in Africa. I want to be able to go do an experience, you know, with under 30 experiences and not, not be the, the last guy in the group or whatever, you know, I want to be this, that, or the other thing. And so I think that defining what you want is a huge step in moving in that direction instead of just saying what you don't want. Okay. So, and real quick, I just wanted to clarify about my the, the smoking thing, just in case <laughs> it, it was actually, so it was a joke. I don't know if, if you got it or the listener got it, but I said, yeah, smoking, quitting smoking is easy. I know oh. <laughs> I have a friend who's done it a hundred times, right? So quitting or, or saying that you're going to do something is easy, right? Starting a business is easy. I probably started yeah, 20 businesses, right? right? I only have one that's still standing. So that, right. that was the joke, right? Uh, and so, but going forward, uh, you know, going forward, so part of your, your program is, or one thing that you said on your website somewhere, I think it was in a YouTube video, you said you want to help people be able to have uh, life feel authentic to who they are. And so, yeah, defining that, and, and you, you talked about reevaluating your values. Um, so is it just as simple as putting it down on, on pen and paper? Ah, uh, man. Um, no, but I would say that if you have built up the courage enough to pull that pen out of the drawer and take your notepad out of your bag, you're, you're definitely marching in the right direction. Um, I think that's one of the biggest obstacles people might be facing when making change is just doing the, the legwork to make the change. And so, uh, so I, it's not as easy as simply just putting pen to paper, because obviously if that was the case, I, I don't think there would be the need for what we're doing with both this podcast and, and my, and what we're doing at, at our company, I think it's a matter of being deliberate. And so instead of sort of, you know, looking at this thing and, and going halfway or doing that thing full way, but it doesn't get you to the place that you want is how do you create a deliberate approach, um, so that you're taking that step in the direction that means something to you. And, uh, you know, that notion of deliberateness, I actually, um, one of my favorite books, I don't know if you've had the chance to read it, but it's The Way of the Warrior by Bruce Lee. And, you know, Bruce Lee was known for being a, an actor, but he, you know, he was martial artist first, actor second. And he talked so much about his way of life. And one of the biggest lessons he took away was you can practice every day. 
like if you go and you look at a YouTube video and you see like someone throwing a karate chop and you go into like your room and you start doing that karate chop every day and you're like, yeah, like I did it for a year and I feel really good at it. And then the martial artist shows up like Bruce Lee and he says, hey, man, you, you know, you've been going at 15 degrees, but watch what happens when you do that. I can I can snake my way through. What if you went at 45 degrees? Now watch what happens. And they're like, oh, shit, dude, like, damn. All right. So now do I have to like practice that for the next year? Bruce Lee's like, yeah, if you want to do it right. So I think the, the challenge that I found within my own transformation, I was like, what, where the hell? I, I can't tell you how many Google searches I did around trying to find something that just like helped give me that framework. I didn't want the 10 things that make someone successful, like that, you know, some book that is like, let me tell you what you need to do. Because I'm like, that's his own opinion. That's his own sort of conclusion. I needed questions that could help me answer my own my my own sort of soul's desire. I needed to find what those answers were. I didn't want to be told what they were, and I really struggled to find that right series of questions that were going to be able to do that for me. Okay, so what are some of those questions? What can people write down after they get off this podcast? Yeah, I mean – sort of the, so the four, like we break it down into like four different phases. And the, the first phase, it starts with a single question. And that's what has led me to today. And so you look at everything from your value system to your character traits, to um, your achievements, to your failures, to whatever it might have been. What has led me to this very moment right now? And being focused on values and traits and, and um, kind of more focused on that instead of focused on, well, I'm in this position because X, Y, and Z happened to me, or I'm here because this happened. We want to move away from you being the effect of some cause. We want to look at you as the cause. And so we look at that through a different lens, which is what has led me to today? The next part is then, okay, I'm at this place. I'm the cause. Everything else will be my effect. What is going to lead me to tomorrow? So you get to this place where you're like, okay, what has led me to here right now? Am I happy with those answers? Which ones am I going to take with me on my journey? Which ones are time to like let them go? And then now what's going to lead me to tomorrow? So values, character traits, ideas, um, uh, routines, whatever it might be, habits, lifestyle, nutrition, diet, what, what do I want to lead me to tomorrow? And then from there we get into, okay, I have all this knowledge now. That's great. I've done, I've done a lot of this legwork. How can I now take this knowledge and create a path forward? So like defining that path forward with that new knowledge. And then finally, okay, I've defined that path forward. I have all this knowledge. I now need that courage and I need that gumption to go take that step. And then that's the final sort of um, phase of what we do, which is we call it the conquer phase, which is giving you, helping you gain resources so that you're ironclad on that journey and so that you are able to many years from now always look back on your value system. And, and when I firmly believe value systems change in time. I'm sure mine will be different five years from now. There's always going to be some common denominators, but willing to challenge that, willing to challenge that notion, but to, to stay 
relatively close to what that means for you and to give you that sort of courage to go forth on your path that means something to you. And so that's sort of the phases we take. It's a little bit of a dissection into what's, what's led us to now. What do we want to lead us to tomorrow? How can we take all that information and create a really actionable plan behind it? And then what can I take with me on my journey that's going to continue to foster courage and confidence and belief in myself and then kind of go on your way? Okay, cool, Dave. Can we dive into the planning part? Because I'm a firm believer that it's very important to, okay, look at your story and write it down, whatever you need to do, process it uh, psychologically, talk to someone about it, whatever you need to do, but not to get hung up on it. And you talked about not falling into the victim mindset, which is something maybe we can touch on later so people really see the difference there. But putting people into putting the plan into action is the most important thing, in my opinion, because people people really this is why people like so much to just be told what to do, because it's way easier than just getting hung up, spinning your wheels, coming up with, you know, reliving your story. And and most people are caught in the past. Most people uh, are caught in just being hung up on their own story and uh there's a title of a book and I've never looked inside the book, but I hope what inside the inside this, (laughs) so the title of this book is who would I be without my story? (laughs) And I hope that this book is not about encouraging people that their story is who define them. It's uh, hopefully it's about dropping that story and saying, get a fresh start. You're on a clean slate go out and create your own story going forward. So when people are trying to plan, put their plan into action, all right, your friend has the health, the, the uh, wellness magazine that he wants to start, all right, I think, or in maybe publication. So it's important for him to, of course, go into it thinking that, well, most publications fail. I'm probably going to fail because I'm getting only one like, but <laughs> maybe this will morph into something different or maybe this will let me down a path where I'm going to expand the body of knowledge I'm going to on the subject I'm going to sharpen my skills to be able to go I'm going to be farther down the path and better off than where I was when I started this journey and so it's about what you learn on that path so uh, can you talk to me more about action steps in the planning process and what people need to do? So, okay, you have an idea uh, for what the vision of your life is going to look like. I mean, are we talking? Actually, I know you don't like vision boards. I, I saw that <laughs> somewhere. So, could you rip up your your vision board for people and tell people what planning actually looks like? Like nuts and bolts here is is what i really hope for like put this in your calendar get up and go to gym or hire a coach or whatever it takes uh yeah get people up off their seats would you would you for me dave yeah man yeah yeah totally um so i boil everything down to two words cause and effect and so if you can look at everything through that lens and you're willing to accept whatever the answer is, like your mind hopefully will expand. And so the action phase is, yeah, we, def- we define what we're going to go after. We talk about how to overcome complacency. We go through 
creating visualization. So for daily deliberate action, so it's called creating action. So you have just, what am I doing today? Not, Hey, I want to, you know, lose 20 pounds and, um, that's going to make me happy. What's the cause and what's the effect there? Well, the effect is your happiness. The 20 pounds is the cause. It, that's the reverse of human happiness, in my opinion. So we always are seeking that this is the thing that's going to cause my happiness. So that's the cause. The effect is my happiness. That is not right. You're the cause. The effects are the things that happen in your life. So if you can start operating from that place of, okay, I've defined what matters to me. I've defined where I'm going to head. I've taken a look at my values. Now I'm going to get started on this, on this path. Yes, I've laid out some outcomes I'd love to pursue that are in alignment with these values and with what I've defined about myself. And they are noble causes for me to go after. But, um, but in that pursuit, it is me that's the cause and those outcomes are the effects. And so that's the two words I look at. And so whether that's, well, I need a coach to be able to, to gain what I need to gain. Well, if you're looking for that outcome and, and, and the coach is the cause of your outcome, that we're usually left not satisfied in that approach versus, Hey, I want a coach who can help guide me, but I'm the cause of the answers that I come up with. I'm the cause of things that I'm, I'm going after. And then the things that are afforded to me are those effects. So that's one thing I think can help people is just keep it simple in how you're thinking about these things that you want to go after in your life. No need to overcomplicate it because even if I were to tell somebody, okay, get up at five, you know, meditate and then get on with your day, I'm still telling them to do that. And so the ownership level is much lower versus if we help define, help them define for themselves what they ultimately want to do on a day-to-day basis, what's the cause and effect of this approach and then ultimately start to be, um, start to let that unfold in front of you is, is really, um, is really that action phase. I think it's lessening your expectations on a definitive outcome, increasing your expectations on the sort of, um, magnitude of that outcome. So if you can commit yourself and you're able to keep going and you're able to stay committed and consistent to that process, the outcome could be even more badass than you initially thought. So don't limit yourself necessarily on some outcome that you've defined will will be the cause of something for you. So hopefully that helps think a little bit around how you might just approach something. And And Matt, you brought up something interesting too about stories. One question that's helped me as I've continued to develop, you know, my mindset and how I approach things is how is this currently serving me? So just a quick, you know, quick question. How is this currently serving me? So how is my former story still serving me? Is it still serving me or is it holding me back now? And if it's holding me back, how come? And so again, it's asking the the right questions, I think around that and then going, okay, what do I want that new story to be? And then start defining what that might be. I think that's a really good point about, uh, 
uh, about the story because of course I was referring to people who are held back by their stories, but that's an excellent, uh, yeah, that's an excellent asterisk there. Could you help people break out of the victim mindset for a second here? Because I, I just want to give one quick example. And if you are in a relationship and you sure. want to be out of the victim mindset in your relationship, and I'm not talking about physical or verbal abuse here, I'm talking about when people use the phrase, uh, you hurt me, or you mm -hmm. made me feel bad. Okay, I didn't make you feel anything. Okay, you <laughs> felt that yourself. It's okay if you say, when you said that, I felt blank, right? Mm -hmm. That totally flips the switch in that right. conversation. You're taking ownership for your own feelings and emotions. Uh, but you're not saying, uh, you hurt you're me when you said this. Okay, well, right. then, then, then you're just presuming, presuming that that was the intent of, <laughs> you, you know, you, you, the person probably just took it the wrong way. <laughs> but yeah. could you, so that's a big pet peeve of, of mine uh, and making sure people, I'm, I'm really a freak about the language that I use because I know that is imprinting, it being imprinted into my subconscious. When you verbalize something, okay, if you're using language and it's just a slight change but you're victimizing yourself in a situation then you're going to come to uh come to everything that you do with a victim mindset so could you help people break out of that for me yeah yeah i'll do my best uh okay. it's not an yeah. easy task dave no no but uh you bring up a really good point though around expressing your feelings but that you are the cause so again cause and effect so if you look at someone else it's like you hurt me or you did this, you know, their feelings are potentially warranted. However, they're placing blame and it's more, well, I decided to respond in this way and maybe that was justified, but I just want to let you know that I decided to respond this way and it didn't make me feel good. That's a much more relatable place to be because what's that make people do? It makes them think of their own feelings. And I think when you think of your own feelings, you, you're much better able to empathize with whatever that person's saying. Uh, versus, you know, attack mode. No one responds well to attack mode, right? I'm married. It, you know, we, we do it. Uh, it's, it's unavoidable. No, no one's immune to, to attack mode, but it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it usually ends up where it started. Um, so I think, again, going back to the cause and effect, and um, one of the best books that I could recommend anybody is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I was given that when I was uh, in my early 20s. And Victor was a guy who, um, until his mid-40s, was a, a, a successful doctor, married with kids. And then um, Nazi Germany started taking over, and he was thrust into concentration camp, lost his wife, lost his kids, had no idea if they were alive. And by the time he was released, found out that they weren't alive. Um, but he has this amazing, just outside of just the craziness of a story, he just has an amazing lesson that I took from it, and I know it's been widely took from this. And he he says this. He says, you can take my dignity. You can take my uh, 
nutrition and my water and my blankets and my clothes and you can deprive me of all my uh, physical needs. But the last thing, but the thing that you can't take from me and the last of the uh, human freedoms is choice. And so he decided in that moment that he was going to choose happiness. And he got to happiness by envisioning his wife um, smiling at him. And that's what carried him through. And he never put an end date on it. He talks a lot about this. He's like, you know, a lot of guys that said we're going to be out by Christmas and then it's December 26th and they're still not out. So many of those guys came down with pneumonia and end up dying because of illness. He's like, be flexible in those outcomes, but be steadfast in, in that in that purpose and in that process. And that that day, you couldn't take his choice to be happy. And I, that resonated with me so deeply because it's so easy to fall into that mentality, which is I'm the effect of what's happened to me. And that justifies a lot of times uh, a way of life that you're not happy with, usually. Um, I haven't met one happy victim. I, I don't know if you have. And I, I mean victim in the, in, the, in the sense that we're talking about, not victim in the sense of, um, you know, someone that was just attacked uh, in, in that sense. But someone that has that victimization mentality where they truly seem happy. And in so many ways, victimization justifies um, the pursuit of potentially things that aren't always great for us or um, continuing on with maybe self-destructive behaviors or uh, it's your reasoning for not taking that step forward in the direction that feels authentic to you. And so victimization, I, again, I bring it back to a simple question. How is that serving me? And it's, it never, it never had, never did. And then once I realized that I was the cause and that my happiness was the effect and that everything else kind of stemmed from that, it helped me just think about life differently. And I had to, I mean, I looked at siblings. I had a Christmas recently. I show up, um, sibling one had a cast on their arm because they had uh, a staph infection from a needle. Sibling two uh, was it a week out of jail and sibling three, um, the, a month later was in the hospital because of, uh, sclerosis of the liver. How do you witness that and not think like, what the fuck is going on right now? You know? And, and to sit back and be like, life is so fucked up. Like, look at what God's done to my family, like, and get angry. But I decided that it was a choice that those were examples to a, give them all the love I can give them. But B, to not let my life go, uh, go down and to create a life that meant something to me and to, for me to be the dad and the man and the husband that I wanted to be. Um, but that's hard to do. It's easy to kind of fall into that trap and be like, yeah, man, I, I come from a pretty fucked up situation and, uh, you know, I've seen some pretty fucked up things and, uh, yeah. And, and what's that do generally is it justifies in a lot of ways, bad behaviors or justifies the uh, notion of inaction. But how is that serving you? It's not. It's like you're becoming the same thing that you're telling everyone that you're a victim of. Exactly. And so for me, you know what I mean? So for me, it's like, how do you pull yourself out of that? Well, first, how is it serving me? Second, the last thing you can't take from me is my choice. I choose to be happy. And then third, cause and effect. I'm not the effect. Yeah, shit happens to all of us. But it's how I choose to respond to that that's going to dictate my state of being. And I'm going to choose me over, over the, 
over the thing that just happened to me. And I think once you start to kind of go down that path, it's like building a, a muscle in the gym. It just gets, you get better at it. You get better at it. You get better at it. Dave, that that's awesome. Uh, one quick thing that I wanted to ask you before we uh, get to the top of our hour here and, and we wrap up, uh, how can people not blame themselves? Because yes, taking everything, okay, this is on me. I, I don't want to be a victim here. This is because of the decisions that I've made. That's why I'm in this position. But sure. how can you encourage people not to beat themselves up about things or bl because placing blame on anybody in any situation is not going to help. It's not the mature thing to do. So how do right. we, how, how can, cause uh, I need help with this too, blaming myself for things. All right. Right. How do you break out of that habit? Man, you know, that's, I think if you get to the core of what we all want, I think it's safe to assume we all want happiness. And I think it's safe to assume that we want satisfaction in our lives, self-satisfaction. And there's definitely that default mode in the mind that's like, hey, man, you made that mistake. Hey, man, you know, you, you did this thing, you did that thing. I think it's by first embracing your, your place in life right now. Be like, okay, but listen, I'm standing on my two feet right now. I'm breathing in fresh air. I'm drinking water. I'm, I just ate a nice meal. You know, I, I have my freedom still. And so with that freedom, what am I going to choose to do today? And I struggled with this one too, because I, I, I was so, I was traumatized in a lot of ways from that, this, this situation of my siblings. I'm like, man, you know, when I would see myself in the mirror, I'd see shimmers of a sibling that I was just so disappointed in. And so then I would be disappointed in myself. And I'm like, why am I so disappointed in myself? Like I didn't do anything to, to cause disappointment, you know? Um, and so it's having that self dialogue in a lot of ways, which is, you know, let me reflect on my life and what I've personally individually done with my life and look back on that and recognize I've, I've been a pretty fucking good person. I've been a pretty damn good guy. I've made some mistakes, but I'm human. All humans make mistakes. Um, I maybe did some things to hurt some people, I'm sorry for those things. I hope I didn't hurt them. But right now in this moment, I'm standing on my two feet. I have the freedom to move forward. And I think allowing yourself to just recognize that moment right here and to see you for you. It's hard to look in the mirror and see you for you a lot of times. A lot of times we look in the mirror and we see uh, the worst version of ourselves, you know, or we see uh, – or we see, you know, all of our past experiences, all the negative past experiences. And again, that's a little bit of part of what we do is we teach people how to reassociate with good experiences from their past instead of just looking at the bad ones. And, and we teach people how to kind of step away from those negative experiences to have a, a hopefully a more neutral view of the situation. And I'll give you, I'll give you a situation, uh, an example. I had a guy that, um, his boss was abusive. And this is a guy that you would look at and be like, yeah, he's tough. He's successful. This one situation was really bothering him like 10 years later, literally 10 years later. And so we're sitting together and I'm like, all right, man, all right, how old are you right now? And he's like, all right, I'm 33. I'm like, okay, cool. And I'm like, when did this situation happen? He was like, man, I was 20, I was 23. So he's 33 now and he's 23 when the situation happened. I'm like, all right. I'm like, when was the last time you saw a 23 year old? He's like, I don't, I don't know, like last week. 
I'm like, what did you think when you saw that 23-year-old? Just like a random 23-year-old. He was like, yeah, they're a kid. You know, they're just, they don't know what the fuck's going on. They're just kids. Just whatever, you know? I'm like, okay, so in your mind, though, you're, you're seeing yourself in that memory as a 33-year-old man. I'm like, you're not. You're a kid. And so teaching people how to, like, see things for what they are. And just by doing that and, and pulling himself out of that situation and being able to see it from a disassociated perspective gave him relief. He, it helped just help him soften the blow of that situation and to help to start moving past it. Um, so hopefully that's one suggestion that I, I would give. No, that's great. And it, it comes down to what you said early or earlier about Asking yourself in every situation, in every mindset that you find yourself in, how is this serving me? And blaming others, we know that doesn't serve you, but blaming yourself, that is definitely not going to serve you either. So just just breaking that habit and, and being mindful, being more aware of, okay, I'm falling into that pattern. Let me not do this. Let me come up with a, a mature solution here. To whatever the yeah. issue is yeah there's no need to blame yourself out there if you're listening so uh yeah and, and matt i'll say this too there's definitely like really quick things you can do throughout your day that help sort of snap you back um so you know when i wake up in the morning the first thing i think about is um what are the words that i want to embody today so i know there's the gratitude stuff that you can do in the morning, but I, I, I think about what are the things or the words that I want to embody today? And so things like adventure, love, friendship, and I just implant those first thing in the morning and I just kind of say them to myself and then I kiss my wife on the cheek and I get out of bed and uh, I have a pretty interesting morning routine. I'll go down and breathe and take a cold shower and all this other stuff to kind of snap me into the day so I'm not carrying yesterday with me. That's a practice and, and yeah, that's tough to do, but um, and building that practice. But the, the simple things you can do is just simply, what are the, what are the words I want to embody today? First thing, right when we wake up, eyes are open, three words that you'll want to embody today. Done. All right, cool. I'm going to go get on with my day. And then you're in the middle of your day and you're kind of like, fuck man, I'm kind of tired. I'm still not feeling too great about things. Force a smile on your face. I mean, this sounds kind of silly and stupid, but you know, the body informs the mind. It really does. There's so much out there around somatic psychology and how the body informs our states, not necessarily the mind. And so you can do things where you just force a smile on your face. I'll be driving my car with a big fat smile on my face and I can guarantee you people are driving by being like, what the hell is that guy so happy about? Right. But I do it because I'm like, fuck, I'm tired right now. I'm, I'm, I'm grinding it out. Um, but I, I just need to get back to the present. What's something simple I can do to get back to the present. I'm just going to throw a smile on my face. I'm not happy about anything necessarily. I'm just gonna throw a smile on my face. And I do it almost daily. And then before I go to bed at night, my mind could be racing. I could be sort of like, um, you know, something could be bugging me. And uh, the last thing I do before I, I fall asleep is I think about specifically that, specifically that day and the things that I was thankful for in that day, just that day. And I don't go over the day and I don't criticize the things I sucked at because I know what those are. Those are nice front and center in the prefrontal cortex, right? what I want to bring up are the things that I'm happy for and that I'm happy about and that I'm going to rest my head now because I put in a good day. And so it's as simple as, you know, we own a fitness facility and I teach uh, early classes in the morning. It's as simple as I'm really proud that this person, uh, I was able to have that impact on that person this morning. And then I'm proud that we made this stride and 
you know, this piece of our business. I'm proud I had that conversation with that stranger, you know, on the train and whatever. And just being thankful for those, those moments in my day. And then next thing you know, I'm asleep, right? Um, so, you know, I, I think there's a micro, there's definitely sort of a, a slew of different things you can do to help snap yourself into sort of a consistent state. Um, but hopefully those are a couple that might be able to help people. No, those are, those are fantastic suggestions. Uh, of course, actionable things that people can do right when they get off of this, uh, yeah, they need to, to look inward and figure out what they want and not just take Dave's advice and say, hey, you got to take a cold shower every morning and, and get to the <laughs> right. gym, right? But, yeah. but that those gratitude practices uh, are, are excellent and just be grateful for showing up. Uh, and, and Dave, I'm, I'm grateful that you were able to, to come here and, and show up. Uh, not that you were going to stand me up, but, but <laughs> you showed up here and you gave your best. And I really appreciate that. And uh, other people can, can learn from that. So yeah, thank you very much, Dave. Is there, is there anywhere where our listeners can uh, go and find more about you? I know that you are launching your milestone mind institute coming up where can people find more about that yeah matt absolutely thank you um you know you're an inspiration and uh i don't think you know when you're the one inspiring people you realize how much of an inspiration you are but clearly you've done amazing things with um under 30 experiences and uh i applaud you man very very cool and you know i know i found you on linkedin a while back just being like congratulating you because i found it inspirational so thank you for that um, yeah, people can find us at milestonemind.com. And as Matt mentioned, we are launching an online self-paced, uh, mindset, uh, institute called milestonemind.institute. Uh, so you can just go there again, milestonemind.institute. And, uh, we're actually launching that in the next day and, um, and looking forward to being able to help people wherever we can, uh, with, with this. And I look forward to growing and learning and becoming better at what we do. So, uh, so we then can give it back to other people. So. Excellent, Dave. Well, well, yeah, thank you again. I appreciate you being able to, uh, to come on here today. And yeah, it was great to finally connect. Yeah, you too, Matt. Thanks. Yo, Live Different Podcast listeners, you know what to do. You love the episode. If you listened this far, go to iTunes. Show us some love. Please, that's all we ask. A little five-star review. Just a little review. That's all we need. Send it to a friend who needs to get their ass in gear. We're trying to do good work here, and we need your help. Hey, you know what? Special offer. Send me an email personally. I will write back. Matt at under30experiences.com. I want to know your feedback, and then I want to meet you in person. Maybe our yoga retreat. Maybe our fitness retreat. Who knows? Check out under30experiences.com. Go do something awesome with your life.